What's going on, everyone? This is Warren Inspire, and this is our series of podcasts where we're interviewing. Well, it's not an, it's not an interview. It's a conversation with super successful, amazing individuals who are living a life that they love. And this conversation, if you are, you know, getting into business or you're into martial arts or working out, you're going to absolutely love this episode. So our guest today is Darren Clark. He is a BJJ black belt under the Bradio Estima. Hopefully I said that right. Self-educated entrepreneur. He's a property developer and a multiple a multiple gym owner. He's been self-employed since 2007. I'm getting excited right now. And he's living the dream and he's been living his passion now since 2016. Darren, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me on, mate. It's a pleasure. No worries at all, Darren, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. How do we even connect? Yeah, I think we just connected to Instagram, mate. Just uh, sometimes your energies collide with someone, especially on social media. So I think, where is it you stay, Warren? You're down south, you're in... Yeah, so I'm currently in Wales. So I'm, yeah, just, just near Cardiff. So you're in Wales and Cardiff and I'm in Scotland. So there's not going to be a chance that we're going to bump into each other in the shops. But we seem to connect on social media. And yeah, if someone's energy vibes like your energy, then obviously you're going to have a conversation, you know what I mean? So I think that's, that's how we connected, mate, yeah. 100%. Because it's interesting because the week, I think... Just before we started speaking, I think a few days before, I spoke in Scotland for the second time. And um, it was an amazing experience. I spoke at like one of the biggest fitness events in Scotland. And we were, me and you were talking as well, you know, on Instagram about mindset, self-development. The UK being a bit more reserved than like the American the Americans who are quite out there in just like living the dream. So we're going to have, yeah, I want to really pick your brain today as well. Feel free to ask me questions as well. But where did it begin? Okay, I want to ask you a question. Like what, if someone said to you, like, what's your story in under like know, 30 seconds? What would you, what would you reply to them? What's Darren's story? My story is, um, I pretty much, I think it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite similar to a lot of people's story. They left school they got a job that didn't particularly excite them. And then they tried to find a passion that did excite them. And then when I found it, I just held on with two hands, two feet, jumped on it, pretty much put a chokehold on that bad boy and, uh, and stuck to it like glue until I got there. You know what I mean? And that was pretty much it, mate. Um, when I found my passion for martial arts, I've done martial arts since I was five years old. So I was working in the construction industry. So I don't, I don't dislike the construction industry but I know what I would rather be doing until I'm 65 years old. You know what I mean? So when I found my passion in martial arts and I realized how happy it made me, that's just what I wanted to wake up and do every day. You know what I mean? And I just kept a, I just kept a clear vision on what my life would look like if I trained martial arts and taught martial arts and every single day. And then obviously that brought me into the business because if you can't pay your bills and you can't do that, so there's no... It's not a fairy tale, fairy land, all, all, all like unicorns and rainbows. You know what I mean? There's some serious hard hustle involved as well to make that reality happen. So that's obviously where the the journey became super, super hard. But again, super eventful, super fun, and super challenging. So yeah, mate. Like that's kind of it in a nutshell. Basically, I do what I love um, as a full time passion, and I enjoy it. You know what I mean? And, 
started to help other people do the same as well. I've just took on a full-time employee. Um, he's been with me, one of my students, since he was 14 years old. He's now 22, 23 years old. He works full-time around uh, my three academies. And, uh, yeah, he's loving he's loving life also, you know what I mean? He's, he's in the academy just now, just doing some admin, administration stuff, etc. teaching class tonight, kids' class. So, yeah, it's good that I can, from what we once were to what we are now, um, yeah, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Awesome. That is amazing. And I want to kind of like really, break, you know, break that down so that people that are listening to this right now, I always tell people, people that listen to this podcast, make sure to get a pen and paper and write this down because success leaves clues. Right. So um, and when you when you said you grabbed onto your passion, I was, you know, picturing you and your like um, Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking at- but, but like. What, what about your friends at the time? So obviously you're in school. What sort of like, like, did you, the friends that you were surrounding yourself with, were they kind of going on the same path as you were? Well, what happened actually, well, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question, actually. Uh, I suffered really, really bad anxiety when I was at school. Okay. And I pretty much took nine months of school off. So I wasn't near any of my friends at all. I was really like, probably at the lowest place you could probably be, like, not to bore you with the details, but my mum had quite a job to take me to and from school because I couldn't be on the bus, et cetera, because I couldn't be around people like in an in a intense level. So I had to be dropped off after class had started so I wasn't walking through crowds and I had to be picked up an hour before school finished as well. And that was when I was going back after a long sort of layoff for sort of nine months. So I missed a lot of my exams and stuff as well. And obviously I missed out on a lot of... Uh, probably a connection with my existing friends, you know what I mean? So all my friends probably connected on a different level for me because I had kind of secluded myself a little bit from yeah. the pack, from the group, um, which I think was possibly one of my biggest, um, like, like projections basically in life, which I didn't know about at the time. Like I, I was thinking it was the, the end of my world, but it might have been the start of my beginning, you know what I mean? So, I think there's a little bit of uh, belief in that, so to speak. But yeah, so that's that's pretty much. I still speak to. Um, it's interesting, actually. It's interesting you say that because I still speak to my existing friends from school, but not as close as I am with people who are in my life right now. You know what I mean? So that's that's quite a like you said, success leaves clues. Um, the people that are in my life right now are probably a result of the results that I'm getting right now because I'm very, very um, conscious of who's around me at any given time, you know what I mean? You will be the average of the five to ten people you hang around with the yeah. most. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super conscious of that, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that in a... I'm not saying that in a, in a, in a look down on anyone way. I'm just very, very um, cautious of where my energy goes and where I get my energy from, you know what I mean? So... I have to be, I think that's the number one rule because I think you can do all the good stuff in the in the world and you can be disciplined and you can be structured. But if you're hanging around and being influenced by the wrong people, that's a powerful force, such a powerful force. So, 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 so you, you know, having anxiety, being away from your friends has been actually a blessing in disguise because it's given you your own sort of, um, your own thoughts and like you, where you want to go in life. And it's allowed you to be able to, become independent whereas a lot of a lot of men especially they find their boys and they you know i've seen a lot of friends who are great at football 
and then they start smoking weed because they want to surround themselves with the friends that they grew up with in school and then they lose their contract with their football clubs and it's like that decision like do you, do you want to go out and just hang out with your boys all the time or do you want to go out and create the life that you want to live talking about your anxiety as well is this something that like you feel like you've overcame now oh yeah 100 percent, yeah. definitely yeah it's made me like i am like pretty much bulletproof my mindset is bulletproof because of it i never luckily and very grateful again that i never took medication to fix it i've done a lot of like sort of my own sort of therapy and stuff as well um i did go when it when i had anxiety um, my mom and dad didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, so we had like a CT scan because we thought it was a tumour on the brain, etc. I was getting dizzy spells all the time. I was fainting and stuff. So I think it was just basically me fighting in my own mind a panic attack. And I was like getting dizzy and stuff as well. So we had loads of sort of like, like medical sort of things. And just basically, I think we came to the terms that it was just um, a, a severe case of anxiety that had to be overcome. So as soon as I got through this stage it took me about like four or five years to be fair two major points where um i had to always have a bottle of water with me because i felt my throat closing up so i always had to have something to drink so there was a shop down the road one one mile down the road yeah. my dad would say to me look leave the water here we'll drive to the shop and we'll buy a bottle of water and then you'll be driving back with a bottle of water and then he would do that and then he would just go to the next shop and then it would be like right we're gonna go to so every single day was kind of like a challenge to like release this water holding over me. And then once I got over that factor, um, it was on my 21st birthday, um, I went to Ibiza for a lad's holiday because one of the guys, it wasn't me that organised it, it was my brother, my older brother, he was going with his mates um, and one of the guys pulled out. So it just happened to be that there was a space there. And I think that the blessing in that was I never had time to think about it. I was put on me a week before the flight and then it was like, do you want to come? And then sometimes you almost say like yes to these things, but three or four months down the line, you start to play all the scenarios in your head. What if the plane crashes? What if all this sort of stuff happens? So because I never gave myself enough time, I just literally like agreed to it, jumped on the plane, changed the flights, 80 pounds or something. And then obviously I was just, I was in their room anyway. So it wasn't like it was costing me much and I had a great time. And then that really helped me kind of sort of step away from my anxieties and fears and stuff as well. Just, I enjoyed life a little bit more. And I used to work a lot. Like, I used to do, like, homers as a joiner all the time. You know what I mean? And I was at a, I was at a festival called Tea in the Park. Yeah. And um, I seen some of my friends from school. And they were, like, shocked to see me in a social environment. They were like, what are you doing here? You, you doing a homer building the stage? And then as soon as they said that to me, that's when I knew that I had to change my ways because I was working too much, not enjoying life that much. But I was always training martial arts, but not enough. It was only twice a week, you know what I mean? I was only training twice a week. Yeah. And then that was the point that I kind of turned and uh, started to put more energy and focus and just wanted to sort of make something of my life as well, you know what I mean? I wanted to make my life worth living rather than just being, like, going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Um, I, I can relate a lot when you talked about the anxiety and even just the symptoms that you had, because when I first went through anxi anxiety myself, my throat, yeah, would dry up. I would eat food and it wouldn't, it wouldn't get through to my, uh, yeah, man. 
Yeah, so, so it, it would stay in my chest. And then I believe I was having like a heart attack because I could feel it in my oh. in my chest. And then, like you said, I had dizzy spells as well, where I remember, I think it's called Imbatiga, where you look at the floor and the floor. Yeah, yeah, everything starts moving. Yeah. yeah, and I literally, at that point in my life, I questioned like my insanity. I thought I was going, like, I was like, there's something wrong with me. Like, I know that I've got probably got a tumor or I'm going to have a heart attack. And I went to the doctors and I told them, everything and then they were like yeah well you've got anxiety and depression and like yourself I was like I'm not going to be a dep dependent on a drug I'm going to find yeah. a holistic way on how I can overcome this depression and this anxiety and you know a bit like you know the anxiety I'm not sure if you had this as well Darren where like you'd be asleep sometimes and then it feel like someone would kick you and you wake up suddenly yeah, yeah so I was having like intense bouts of that all the time and it was because our, our bodies believed that we were in fight um a fight or flight sort of situation and what i did this is what i did right because whenever my panic i had panic attacks like most nights at around 9 10 p.m every night and i'd have to go out the house and just walk and just walk and just keep walking and kind of just get my mind off thinking like i'm gonna die yep and then what i realized what, what how i trained myself out of this anxiety was that I would talk to myself in a reassuring way and also like a bit of a duh like like Warren it's like you know, you're off you're fine you're okay like and then even just talking to myself like that over a period of time my mind was like okay bullshit bullshit like this is not real this is just you know in your yeah. head and then the anxiety then started to move away and then I haven't had a panic attack I think until like I was 22 23 years old from doing that technique did you did you get like hot flushes as well like in pins and needles and stuff yeah i would start going red and like heating up really bad you know what i mean and pins and needles everywhere yeah. honestly like uh, what i did what i did as well is when i felt because you got the hot flush first so you started yeah. to get in hot and then it was starting to panic so every time i started to feel hot when i had a little bit more like mind clarity and control yeah. over what was happening i used to get excited when it came on i used to be like oh here's the party Oh, nice. That's it. Come on, then. Come ahead. And I used to try and, like, talk, like you said, talk to yourself as well. I'm like, okay, here we are. How long is this going to last? Seven minutes, eight minutes, ten minutes? Don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm going to enjoy it. And it would just completely subside because I think that me suppressing the fear of it coming into my body and my mind didn't really make it real anymore because I was like, oh, well, I, I, I welcomed it. You know what I mean? I actually... I don't know, I think I read a book maybe about facing your fear and one of the biggest fears at the time for me was having a panic attack. So when it, when I felt it coming on, I pretended like I was, it was like I had, it was like I was in my own mind, but there was two people in my own mind. So I was like, I was pretending to be like I enjoyed it and stuff so it would subside and go away. And that's what it did. Yeah, because I think when you're, when you're talking to yourself like that, what you're doing is you're you're, you're calming the mind you're, you're making it realize that the, the brain's starting to work out that it's not real like this this is you know a false alarm and it's, it's yeah. a clever it's a clever way on how you do it and I feel like a lot of people that are listening to this right now like if you are currently suffering with anxiety or you know like try this try speaking to yourself in a different tone and and again brace it when it comes on embrace it don't be don't be scared of it because I think the fear of you having it or fear of it fear of, fear of it coming yeah, I think it increases it, makes it worse. Yeah, it does, mate, it does. Worse experience. So, yeah. so 
Um, how long have you been into self-development? Like, you know, understanding the mind, studying the mind, because I feel like you need a certain mindset to do what you've done. Like, or, or was it like, or, or did you kind of just wing it? Or like, has there been any like mentors or books? You know, you mentioned the book about overcoming your fears, but anything that like conversations with someone that's really- I think when I was overcoming anxiety, I done a lot of CBD and CBT and that, that as well. But from there, it kind of like, never really came back into my life until about seven years later when I started to look into having my own business. You know what I mean? And I think that when I realized that having your own business is a journey in itself, that's when things had to get serious. You know what I mean? And I'm a very, being a, being a black belt, right? I'm not an egotistical person. I understand that to become a black belt, I have to be a white belt. And in order to be a black belt, I just have to not give up. And I'm going to get there one day. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. But in a retrospect, if point of that, having a business and being a successful business owner can't just be a matter of time if you do the wrong things over and over again. It's going to cost you money. And really, you can't afford to, to, to do that. You know what I mean? And I've made many, many mistakes in my business. And I've obviously tried to correct them through self-development as well, how I've been speaking to people, how I teach people, you know what I mean? How I, how I conduct myself as a person. Um, so it was really, I, I fell into self-development through accidental learning about business. So when I was when I was seeking how to run the perfect business, more material was coming available about self-development, positive mindset, strengthening the mindset, all this sort of stuff. Then that's what made me realize that to be, be a successful business owner, you have to have other attributes in your mind and everything else should fall in place. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it sort of took me on that sort of path as well, mate. So it was quite an interesting path actually as well because a lot of Jim Rohn stuff, um, I've listened to a lot of Jim Rohn, which is like probably one of the, sometimes people, right, when they speak to you, I just don't engage with them. Like if, if I don't vibe with that person, they could be the most intelligent person on the earth. If I don't feel their energy and feel what they're saying is true or I have one sort of disbelief in them, then I'm going to disregard their knowledge that they have. So I really connected with Jim Rohn and what he was saying. And then obviously he falls onto other, other people around his era as well. And then obviously there's people that have passed uh, after him as well, Tony Robbins, etc., and all the other all the other guys that come down. There's people, sorry, mate, there's people that sort of hit me in different ways, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if I need a bit of Les Brown one day, I'll hit a bit of Les Brown because I'm maybe feeling like a bit of Les Brown, you know what I mean? That's it. And if I'm having an issue in my business, I'll maybe hit a Jim Rohn or a Tony Robbins or something else, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's various other people that obviously uh, leave the top of my mind at the moment, but they're the sort of main ones that I sort of focus on as well That's it. i kind of just say as well to the listeners that are listening to this right now um do check out jim Rohn because i feel like with jim Rohn, he is like he, he makes it sound like he, he just basically he dumbs it very down and he dumbs it down makes it very simple and he's like you know i think one of the one of the phrases that he says is like if a friend puts strychnine in your coffee would it kill you yes of course it will and he's just so like like he, he makes it like, oh my God, why haven't I thought of that before? So yeah, yeah. I love how Jim, Jim, and Jim Rohn's very much like, you know, if you want to kind of 
I think a, a Les Brown is kind of a pick you up, a kind of like, you know, yep. rub yourself up, get back up again. If you fall back, make sure you land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. Yep. And but, but Jim Rohn, yeah, is strategy, definitely a great strategy. And he just talks a lot about, you know, sorting out your financial education and all of that stuff as well, right? Yeah. So um, it's interesting because like, right, when I first, depression, anxiety became my catalyst for finding self-development, which helped me to create who I am now. So I feel like who yeah. you are now, Darren, is a creation through what you've created through your yeah. learning and your environment. And it's created you the person that you are now. And I think the same with me being a speaker, I've created this person. I, I remember when I first started this out and I started to study the mind, I literally wrote down on a piece of paper, the person that I want to become, including like my characteristics, being confident because I grew up, you know, getting like the shit kicked out of me by my mum's boyfriends, um, my mum on drugs. So I went through a lot of like, you know, if I spoke up, I got hit. So, so I was an introvert for so many years until I started studying psychology because of anxiety and my depression. And it's like, it's a blessing, isn't it? So I think sometimes you yeah. have like it's your anxiety or that those roadblocks in your life, a bit like warning lights or when your car breaks down. If you if your car never breaks down, you don't really look under under the hood of the car, right? The bonnet. You don't you don't look under it because you just it's getting you from A to B. But when you do start, you know, looking under that hood and you start getting to understand, you know, who you are and who's yeah. Here's a good analogy, mate. Sorry to interrupt you. Right. Um, you're right. You're right on the on the money there, actually. So a lot of people will do this, right? And I've actually, I could probably walk outside right now. Well, no, no, my car's not outside, but my missus' car. She she does this. Um, a lot of people, right? There's a there's a light on your dashboard on your car with an engine management light. And when the engine management light comes on, but the car still drives, you don't take it to the garage straight away. So you drive that car for so long until it actually doesn't start in the morning and you can't get to work. So yeah. now you're addressing a situation that could have been fixed way long ago because you had some warning signs that it needs to be fixed. You know what I mean? That's and then when you, take it, when you take it into the garage, they say to you, all your uh, valves are clogged. If you took this into me three months ago, I would have fixed it and it would have cost you 50 pounds. Now you're going to need a new engine. It's three and a half grand. And you're like, oh, wow. I should have just fixed it when I had some warning signs. So that's a, value, a valuable lesson there. Every, it's, like, it's like me when I get run down. I always try and take one to two days off if I feel run down or I, I take down my workload, etc. Because I just use my body, my immune system, if I'm feeling sick or unwell, etc. If I get too unwell and too sick, I'll just take a full day off. I'll sleep for like 12 hours. I'll drink plenty of water. I'll probably go hit a sauna. I'll probably take extra vitamins. You know what I mean? And the next day, man, right as rain. Smash another 18-hour day out. No problem at all. Self-care, right? Self-care. But see, if I ignored that and I kept going and kept going, my body's going to shut down. Maybe right now we catch the COVID. Could be out for 10 days. Could be out for five days. Could be, you know what I mean? It could be a whole lot worse than it would have been if I just took the warning signs felt a little bit drained, took a day off and just, and I understand obviously people's lifestyle, maybe work, job, etc. they can't obviously do that, but they have to do that some kind of way, even if it's just a, 
an early night and a bath and a chill, you know what I mean, or whatever. Something that just chills you right out, brings you back to the zero again so you can restart. Yeah. I like to go on holidays. I, I, I go, this is, I, I, one, of the, one of the things I've hated about lockdown is I can't travel as much. Yeah. I like to travel all over the world. Uh, my Obviously, my business takes me around the world, etc. I can train anywhere in the world. I can teach anywhere in the world. But I like to travel. So when I'm doing stuff in my life, so say, say I set a milestone, so say like, um, say I'm renovating a house and I'm going to sell it on. And once that sale goes through, obviously a lot of hours and a lot of time and a lot of efforts mm-hmm. we put into that. I like a week away and a holiday, sun, sunshine, chill out, you know what I mean? Some booze and stuff as well. Just relax, get myself back down to that zero again and then come back and just I always seem to hit it harder when that's, I come back. That's that's so important. I think there's a saying that says, um, to, to um, sometimes if to get ahead, you've got to slow down to speed up. Yeah, like yeah. Rec- recognizing those signs and that analogy that you use with the car, I think the same as with our health. People have smoked. Yeah, I mean, how many people that you know that like like that smoke, right? Until okay, something happens, they get told that they could have you know They've got lung cancer. Yeah, yeah. Stop just then. It's like if you don't deal with the baby monster when it's a baby, when that grows into a big ass monster, yeah, that's when it starts. You know, depression, anxiety, or your or your problems will start to be a real battle in your life and um yeah like I love where this is going now because you know we feel like I feel like I know you I feel like you know I'm we're on your journey of your success of business and martial arts and I love that as well you being a man and just talking about anxiety because a lot of men you know for me I didn't reach out to people when I was going through depression because you've got to be a man men don't show emotions and all of that bs and now, one trend that I'm kind of picking up on now is that vulnerability is strength. The ability yeah. to be able to express yourself and emotionally express yourself in a way where I think the, the suicide rate for men is super, like compared to women, is really high because men are not speaking out, reaching out and getting help. So it's good that we can have this discussion and talk about mental health as well as business. And actually, we like for me, mental health was, you know, telling me I was going in the wrong direction and it was if you don't pick up that phone then it's going to keep being there when you pick up your calling of what you're going to do in your life and what you're passionate about that mental health it, it goes right one of the things that I really um, that really helped me actually just remember the now mm. is I uh, watched a video um, called The Compound Effect by Dan Hardy don't know if you've yeah don't know if you've seen it yeah great great book mate great great lesson great audio book great video and uh, so basically i use this concept and this analogy to build on good things and try and reverse bad things so don't just concentrate on like i will use the example like a penny that doubles every day in value after 31 days will be worth 5.6 million pounds right so if you do something good in your life, then you keep doing that and then you do something better and better and better. It's going to compound and it's going to make it a lot better. But if something, like you said about the smoking, if you smoke and you talk shit about people and you do other things, if you keep doing that, that's going to compound into a really bad thing that, like you said, it's going to become the big monster in the room. And you ain't going to defeat it. So I, I, when I realised that about the compound effect of something compounding, uh, it really actually made me super aware that bad things can compound just as much as good things can compound. And we need to be very, very cautious of the bad things compounding just as, as aware 
uh, don't have the rose tinted glasses on and just think it's the good things that compound. You know what I mean? Like money and interest goes up. So does the bad things. You know what I mean? If you're if you're throwing out a lot of negativity or you're speaking to people um, in a bad way, that's going to that energy is going to come back to you. You know what I mean? In, in, a, in a in a massive fashion. So yeah, think about that as well, mate. Hundred percent. So that was a good one for me. Definitely. Yeah. So people that are, you know, again, you know, my biggest, my biggest task in being a speaker was that I didn't just want to get up and speak to an audience. I said to myself, how do I deliver this information in our heads? How do we get it across to the listener? Not for them to just go, yeah, that makes sense. But for them to listen to it, feel emotionally connected to it and then implement it. So what's being shared right now, everyone, like, if you apply this into your life, if you're going through any struggles into your life, I guarantee you it's all down to your mindset. If you change your mind, you'll change your whole life. And one thing I think, Darren, with your success is that you've known from a young age what you wanted to do and you've gone out and you've gone out there and gone and done, done it. And you do something that you absolutely love. And like we were talking before even we came on this podcast that, you know, it doesn't feel like work for you. How important yeah. is that? How, how important do you think that is for people to do something that they love? Because a lot of people are like, I know, but I've got bills to pay. And they say all of these excuses. What advice would you share with them? But you can't live 50 years off your life doing something you hate and then call it a life. You can't do that, mate. You know what I mean? You have to strive and work towards something that you enjoy doing. So then actually at the end of your life, you are so grateful for the time that has been passed, not the money that's been made. You know what I mean? If we actually sat and worked out how much revenue we've brought to our table so far in our lives, we would be excess of a million. So why don't we have a million in the bank? Because houses need paid for, cars need paid for, we want nice jeans, we want nice t-shirts, we want nice watches, all this sort of stuff gets paid for, you know what I mean? So if you can understand what you need to live off, not what you want to live, then you can actually start to change um, your mindset into thinking, well, because for me, me going from working on a construction site, making like minimum £800 a week to teaching jiu-jitsu for, say, pushing 200 a week, that was a serious cutback, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it made me happier, you know what I mean? It made me much, much happier. So the fulfillment that I got from that was far greater than any money that could go into my bank as long as my bills were paid and there was fuel in my car and there was food on my table. So, and then obviously, if you believe in what you're doing, it's going to compound, you understand? So I don't now, I don't now make 200 pounds a week now, you know what I mean? I make well in excess of what I was making on that construction site four years ago. So... We need to understand that this is a, it's just a, it's a path that we need to choose, stick to and make it happen on a daily basis. We have to turn up eight days a week. We cannot take days off until the time is right. So, And I think as well, the reason why you put that much input into it is because you, you knew deep down when you first started that you were going to be where you are right now, right? You, yeah. that was a vision. You knew. People told me that wasn't though. People did tell me that yeah. wasn't. They were like, they were like, look, dude, we don't even have any like Fife's not a big enough place to teach jiu-jitsu full time. Blah blah blah. And you know what? They, like, they, they they were right in the in the start. I mean, I went. Uh, I was thinking about going full time at Purple Belt, and I got my brown belt. I went full time. I was I was 
the only brown belt in my area at the time uh, when I went full time. So yeah, I mean, I'm the only I'm the only black belt in final think anyway, as far as I know, to my knowledge, within right. a sort of thirty mile radius um, right now as well. Um, but the team that we've got just now as well, mate, is, is unbelievable. You know what I mean? I've got like we've got a, a massive team that's grown from absolutely nothing. You know what I mean? I got I brought a guy in. Well, it wasn't me actually. It was actually my father. My father brought a guy in from Brazil, and he stayed with me in my house for six months when we, when I was a white belt. And he taught us the art of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, me and my brother got promoted to Blue Belt, which is your first belt. And then he went away back to Brazil. My dad got a purple belt. And that was the kind of base start of our, of our team growing. But it was a long process. And I literally felt like someone was feeding you, right, with a spoon. And then you woke up one day and there was no more food. Because this black belt had just left. So the knowledge that I was feeding from was gone. So... I started to travel to Edinburgh and then back and forward and stuff. And I started to travel down south. And that's when I made my connection with Nisi Baha. And then I got in, in, in touch with the whole structure. Like, we're, we're a worldwide organisation. I mean, we've got nearly 900 schools all around the world. We've wow. got an online programme that makes sure that all our coaches are teaching the, the best material, the most up-to-date material and stuff as well. So it makes it a whole lot easier to structure my business how many students, for my team. Sorry, how many students do you have currently in your... Uh, so I've got about 250 students uh, across three across three academies. So I've got two places in Fife and I've got a place in Dundee. Um, so yeah, grown, grown. Uh, obviously COVID made a, a little a, a dent on that. So we're just trying to track back up, obviously, where we should be. So I'm looking to be... I'm looking to be at 300 by the end of the year. So 100 each academy, hopefully that's kind of roughly give or take. And uh, yeah, we're going to start at zero from there next year. And keep are, you, are you finding like, do you, do you reckon like people like Conor McGregor and these um, you know, UFC fighters, do they bring a lot of kind of pull to like, um, like Brazilian martial arts and stuff? Do you like, do you get a lot of people coming, kids? I think, I think they advertise the sport a little bit better for us. But I do genuinely believe that the people that grow Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu are the people that do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So yes. it's them that go around their daily business and speak to their sisters, their brothers, their mothers, and their fathers and their friends. And they say, yeah. you got to try this, mate. This is absolutely amazing. Like, the good things that have happened in my life since I've done Jiu-Jitsu is off the chart. And I think that that's what I've been finding recently. Not, not only the people when they join my academy have progress and good stuff happen to them in the gym. They're also like getting new jobs and stuff, getting into relationships with people that they love, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And I don't really think that's a coincidence. That comes from you being in an environment that's pushing you out of your comfort zone every day to develop, to be a better person. So although we are developing as martial artists in here, we are still developing human beings on the outside as well. So when they leave this academy, they're still taking that growth and development with them. And I think that's what really shines through. For, for, for me, anyway, that's my, my opinion. Um, it's, yeah, it's, you know, um, BJJ, BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I've always wanted to try it. And, but the thing, thing is for me, I get a bit of, I mean, I get a bit of cross, I'm, I'm like claustrophobic sometimes. So when you're like in headlocks or whatever, I can imagine being like in a panic attack or something. Like, um, what would you say to people that are kind of like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like myself, man, like, um, I don't know, I think, I think that's one thing for me, like, being in a headlock and not being able to get out of it is like, uh, I, got, I think I'm probably going to a panic attack. 
there's two things, right? There's two types of people in this world, right, mate? I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. There's people that will get on a headlock, right? And they'll hate it so much that they'll never go back to jiu-jitsu again, right? And they'll just hope and pray that they never get an altercation in their life and someone gets them in a headlock again. They'll just hope and pray. Yeah. And there's another person who's going to say to themselves, wow, that was powerful. I'm going to have to know how I can do that to someone or how to defend someone doing that to me. And I'm going to excel in this sport. You know what I mean? And I think there's, there's two types of people in the world. There's not going to be one or the other. And yeah, I was obviously on the other side. And as soon as it happened to me, yeah, I felt claustrophobic my first time that I trained, etc. It was a heavier guy. He was on top of me. He's sweaty chest was on my face and I was like and I couldn't get him off me because I couldn't move and I was wasn't as strong as I am now. And back going back to the anxiety and stuff as well, uh, I had this re reoccurring dream that the room, uh, the walls on the room would constantly close in like a little box that would come closer and closer. Uh, so really my first jiu-jitsu lesson and someone did that to me, um, I, I, it took me right back to like seven, eight years ago when that box was closing in on me and I wanted to wake up from my dream to make it stop, but I couldn't because he was on top of me. Yeah. And I felt that, I felt like I would be a lesser man, if you know what I mean, if I, if I just like sort of tapped out and was like, look, mate, do you want to just get off me? Because he was actually not doing anything to me to make me submit. He was just doing like a position. So that really made me want to learn that, you know what I mean? I really, and I think because I felt so uncomfortable that, mm. I knew that being uncomfortable got me to good places, like got me to better places. So I think to myself, like, I'm going to seek that, seek that uncomfortable area and then just kept seeking it. Then it just became a habit and then it just became accountable. Then it was just like, that was it. So yeah, like it, it wasn't like we, it wasn't like we aimed to set up a, an academy or a gym straight away. Um, it was a natural progress you know what I mean it was just like some group of guys getting together and they were like oh show me that again show me that again and it just kind of sort of fell naturally into teaching people as well so so it, it grew from there and I think like what you were just sharing then applies a lot with public speaking as well because that's what I specialize in is you know removing the fear of public speaking what made you what made you want to get into public speaking what made you want to go down that path Darren what happened was I was suicidal back in 2011. Didn't want to live no more. At my rock bottom, you know, again, suffering with depression, anxiety. And I started studying NLP, CBT, and I changed, I got to know, know my mindset, shifted paradigms and removed depression from my life and created, you know, a routine, a morning rituals that I would do, which would help me to reprogram my mind. And it was almost like I watched this, you know, you watch this amazing film and then there are other people that are in the same situation as you are stuck, you know, feeling suicidal, feeling down, but they haven't watched a film that you've watched and you're next to them. And it's just like, I need to, you know, like share what I've watched. I mean, like, you know, so it's like when you're watching a film with someone and they don't know what's going to happen next and you know, and you're like, oh my God, like you can you want to tell them. Yes, yeah. I might get excited. So I was like, and actually it was Eric Thomas. I was in America put on a YouTube video and Eric Thomas was speaking on stage, very American, very, what up, what up, it's your boy E.T. And then he was telling the audience that his mother was on crack cocaine. And that was the same story as my mum. 
but no way on earth in my conservative mind back then was I going to share it, share it with people because I, I built up a reputation of people liking what they saw and me, the footballer and not the broken boy inside who went through, you know, his mum being on drugs and being around in that environment. But it was the way that Eric spoke. He didn't, he didn't get the violin out and go, yeah, or felt defeated. He was like, my mum was on drugs. I was homeless. This is what I went through in my life. But now, you know, I've retired my mother. You know, my family have got a beautiful home. I travel the world doing this. And in that very moment, I said to myself, like the penny dropped, I'm not a victim, I'm a teacher. And then in that moment, a spiritual journey as well, where I was like, I need to share, but I was so scared of public speaking. I need to share what I've learned because I can help other people. So I went on this journey, Darren, I went on this journey of, overcoming this ego-based fear and that's the ego-based fear is the fear of being ridiculed judged not being good enough that's why public speaking is the most feared thing to do people would rather die than speak at the funeral right and i I realized that this fear is actually not real it's ego-based so therefore it's false evidence appearing real there's not no your life's not in danger so i did some crazy shit right to get myself in a situation like I would sing in a restaurant, you know, like a really posh restaurant. I would start singing like "Shram in my pain," and people would look at me as if I was freaking crazy. And the pain of their looks, the pain of their judgment, and just disgust. It, it hurt, it, Darren. It hurt me to start, but then. Yeah, but what happened though was, I walked out of these restaurants and these situations, and I'm like, didn't kill me. Now I feel like. Oh, that hurt, it hurt though, emotionally hurt, but it didn't kill me. So then the reason why I did that, and it was outrageous, was because then when it comes to speaking on a stage in front of a hundred people, that's a walk in the park. I sung in front of a, I can't even sing, and I've sung in front of people that are eating dinner with their families. Like, and then that helped me to become comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. I think like what you said earlier, Darren, when you was like, you know, there are some speakers that you just don't really vibe with. You know, I'm conscious of when we're communicating, if it doesn't come, if you don't marinate it in emotion and passion and you don't care about the person that you're speaking to, nine times out of 10, they're not going to listen to you. So I learned how to remove the fear of public speaking and then deliver this know-how because a lot of people know where the gym is, right? They know where the gym is. They know how to get healthy, but they're still, they still don't go to the gym. They're still not healthy. So it's not information alone. And so then I learned how to transfer this information into someone who didn't know me to say, wow, I feel like I know you because you're quite open. I feel like I trust you and I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I'm going to take action. So I built it up from 2012 and I said to myself, like you at White Belt, I was like, look, I'm a shit speaker now, but my heart's in it. I care about people and I know if I keep doing this, I'm going to get better. And that's what I did. And I was confident from the get-go because once I learned how to become confident, I was confident at being shit. I was confident at not being great at the start and which allowed me to have this ability to show up as the Warren at home so I'm not two different people on stage. It, on stage. it also allows you to grow as well. Yeah. It also allows you to grow because you've given yourself the allowance to grow because you're like, yeah, I know that I'm shit, but I'm not going to be shit forever. You know what I mean? So this is just a part of the process. So, yeah, mate. I think, like you, like you said just now, being a good coach, knowing 
what someone else needs from you and having an actual genuine interest in helping that person yeah. makes or breaks a coach, in my opinion. That's my opinion. Love that. So I think that if you know what someone like, I think that, like, especially for me, like I've, I've competed like all over the world and stuff as well. Um, and obviously I would, I would say that's more of a selfish journey, but now I'm more of a coach, you know what I mean? So my students compete and stuff as well and I help them do that. But I know that I can get the best out of people because I know exactly how the mind works. I know how my mind works at the time, etc. So I've done a lot of study and a lot of research on how to get the best out of people. You know what I mean? So yeah, and, you'll be the same. And and how does it how does it make you feel when you see that transformation in your students? Uh, honestly, mate, like I'm not even being funny. Money cannot buy that transformation. You know what I mean? Like someone coming in saying they've lost loads of weight because they've committed to this lifestyle or they've won this tournament or like, like just like even at the weekend, mate. Like obviously, I didn't go down south because I was really busy. But my one of my students who coaches for me also went down south to the British Open, and he won the gold medal at the British Open. It was the first time he competed at purple belt, so it's not like he's a white belt; he's purple belt. So it's a really good level. And his daughter was with him as well, and she competed. And she got a bronze medal. So it's just great for me to see that as well. That he's gone down south, done the done the hard work to book the, the ticket, to get a hotel, etc. travel all the way down with his daughter. They've had to lose one bit of weight. They've had to get in the right category and they've had to compete and obviously come back British champion. Amazing achievement, mate. Absolutely amazing achievement. That is amazing, man. You know what I mean? So it wouldn't it be possible if it wasn't for what we put together here. You know what I mean? The facility, the training partners, the structure, everything that he uses to become the best version of himself, it wouldn't be possible. So yeah, mate, it just makes me so happy that that's... Uh, that's available now as well because it wasn't at all when I was right there. I'll tell you that. That's it, that's it. And the thing is that you've gone through, you know, not knowing the shortcuts or not knowing the, the, the directions and having to learn it yourself. And now as a coach, you get to condense everything that you've learned, which took you time and you can yeah. help people to get there in a fraction of the time that it took you. Right. Okay, so we're coming to the end of this amazing conversation. I feel like we need to do a part two, Dan, because we could yeah, talk. Yeah, definitely, mate, 100%. All day we'll just we'll barely scratch the surface. I know, I know. Is, <laughs> but you know what I want my listeners to get from this is that you know your story. Like I don't, I feel like the mind. We're not taught about how to use the mind in the school system. I think it's our duty to then take that self, you know, self self education, understand how your mind works, and believe me, behind these you know, battles of mental health, depression, there's a blessing, you know, they become the catalyst sometimes, sometimes like, you're, like you'll go through something in your life and you're like, say to yourself, do you know what, I'm glad I went through that because I would not be the person that I am now. And for people that listen to this right now as well, I can't address it like, highly enough. What Darren's, um, what Darren's achieved so far in martial arts with his, with his business as well, like absolutely doing what he loves he's done it through mindfulness and setting the right mind and having that vision and knowing that it's just a matter of time before you get there is going to help you to overcome those bad days or obstacles that come your way because you know that it's just a roadblock and you're going to get past that roadblock as well so just it starts with your mind so just take action read you know go and check out Jim Rohn Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, check out, check out these guys. And one thing that I, I would say, and I think you'd probably agree as well, is just find whatever it is that you want to do, find someone who's doing it 
and observe them, study them, look at what they what they do. Even like with Tony Robbins and stuff, I wasn't listening, always listening to what he was saying. I was watching his physiology. Yeah, I, you were watching what he was doing. That's it, right? Yeah. And I was like, because how how do you how do you get twenty thousand people? All Too much people. Sorry, sorry, to interrupt you, mate. <laughs> Too much people want to be entertained and not educated. So there's too much people in this world that want to be entertained and not educated. So you're watching Tony Robbins to be educated, not from him, but sometimes about him as well. Because if you want to speak in front of 20,000 people, then how does he walk? How does he talk? How does he have his hands on his hips all the time? How is he always looking to the ceiling? All this sort of stuff makes or breaks a person's success. Not just about, oh, you've got to do this way and that way and this way, as the textbook says. That's no, but you've, got to, you've got to become your own genuine person and have your own sort of flow. But there must be some key concepts and details that have to always stay aligned. And that's like jiu-jitsu as well. We've always got these key concepts. One of the key concepts for safety is having our elbows close to our hips, etc. Um, so I don't get submitted, armbar, triangle, etc. So if I, I, I can make up my whole jiu-jitsu game accustomed to me and my body type, but I have to have the same rule. Because if that rule gets broken, then I'll get submitted. You know it's what I mean? Transferable, isn't it? 100% transferable, mate. 100% transferable. Yeah, and, and yeah, like I think with Tony Robbins as well, there, there are coaches out there or speakers out there who probably know more than Tony Robbins. But yep. how he delivers, you know, find people that, can get results a lot of people have qualifications and stuff but in the adult world it's if you can produce results finest people that can produce, produce results who you look up to and then you know learn like analyze don't just listen to what they say analyze them their body posture how they communicate yeah so from that you know that's how we're going to get a roadmap and write it down write down the vision where are you going to be in the next five years of your life and don't say i can't say how can i when you yeah. say, how can I, right? The mind looks for reasons, looks for ways on how you can make it happen. And yeah, so I've got an event coming up actually in January, in the 26th of January in Glasgow. Glasgow! Glasgow! <laughs> I've, I've asked Darren, I've asked you, haven't I? I asked you to come and speak at it as well. I feel like you'd bring some value, massive value. Um, yeah, mate, of course. To our attendees. Maybe you can get some of the attendees in the headlock in like... Yeah, of course. <laughs> make sure they... <laughs> Make sure they apply the principles or I'll choke yeah. them out. <laughs> 100%. Where can people find you? Um, people that are watching, listening to the podcast right now, where are you most active? So usually I'm most active on Instagram at Darren Clark 333 or um, Facebook, Darren Clark. And yeah, that's really about it. I don't want to, I wasn't, I, I love social media. I absolutely love social media. It's how we connected, mate. But I think that being on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it just drains you. And I think that it takes away from what else I can do in life. Like I study a lot of successful people and I know people with multi-billion pound companies, they don't even have a Facebook page. They've just got a LinkedIn account and that's just to connect with business people, etc., on their level. So, yeah, I understand if you want to be TikTok famous and stuff, you can sort of paint your face red or do something funky. That's cool. But really, for me, I just use these social media portals to share a little piece of my journey, 
to capture some pictures that are going on in my life. I love when memories come up on Facebook every year to see my daughter grow, etc. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. And remember where I was um, last year or what I was doing at that particular time in life and what I'm doing now. So I just use it as a, as a portal for that. And I like sometimes going through my Instagram stories, my Instagram pictures as well, just looking at some old pictures and stuff as well. It's, so, it's, yeah. it's, it's important and it's realising that these platforms have probably the best psychologists that work for them. So they, their aim is to keep you on that platform as long as you can. Yeah. You get dopamine every time you get a notification or you get a like. But yeah. like, again, use it or it uses you, like in that sense. So when, being conscious, I think like when you're on social media, you know exactly yeah. you're on it for, to, to post some memories or to add some value and then you're off it. Right? Yeah. Sometimes people are, people are like, oh, I wish I had Darren's life. I wish, oh, look. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's bad for your mental health. Just get and go after that, you know what I mean? Because if you spend all your time looking at someone else's life, you're never going to have anything like theirs. Um, so yeah, 100%. Cool. But Darren, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. Thank you so much for your time. And I think this is just a start of an amazing relationship as well. I think we're going to do some no, things. One together. more question for you before we yes. go. This is something that I was wondering myself, mate. So Warren Inspire. So why did you put Inspire after the, the, the word Warren? And why right. was it Warren Ryan? Do you know what? Great question. I felt like I needed, do you like um, it says what it does on the tin? Yep. So I knew like when I first said, because my original name was Warren Inspire Ryan. That was my brand name. And then actually I just shortened it to Warren Inspire because I feel like that was, that was like, I, I, want, I think I was, I was studying marketing as well. I wanted, when they think of my name, to be inspired by it. And, yep. then, and then that actually helped me to live up to that name as well. So that's where it came from. That's where the brand name came from. And it kind of- The brand name, brand name yeah that's where it came good from stuff. awesome bro good stuff yeah so thank you so much for coming on the show today it's been amazing and yeah this is going to be the start of something amazing can't wait for it and i'll speak to you soon everybody else who's listening to this right now as well make sure to subscribe and reach out on social media as well reach out go and follow darren clark on social media on instagram message message myself as well hashtag fearless speaking podcast let us know your thoughts. What did you like? What do you disagree about as well? Because sometimes I, I don't just like yes people. I like to like, you know, I love debates. Yeah. I love discussion people. Yeah, discussions. <laughs> yeah, discussions. Um, do voice your opinions to us as well because I think a lot. And um, yeah, until next time, see you guys. Awesome, bro. <laughs>